Kaylee, I'm a nerd, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> That's why I'm a Gus. <laughs> but I was listening to this episode, and there's all these names that pop up. And they're, like, very specific names. So I'm going to throw a couple of them at you. There are two boys. They're young gentlemen who happened to be in high school at the time. And their names are Shockley and Goodard. Those two boys were named after William Bradford Shockley, who was a Nobel Prize physicist, and Dr. Robert H. Goodard, who was a rocket scientist. That's awesome. I, I didn't even think to look it up. Honestly, I got distracted when there were children on the screen. They're very engrossing. Their performances are very like natural, and I believed it. And I was yes. like, yeah, these, these are little nerdy, twerpy teenagers. Well, we also have the... The kind of, I'm, I'm going to call him the, uh, what's the word whenever it's the fake person, the red herring of the episode? His character's name is Professor Han, and he was named after Otto Han, who was the father of nuclear fission. And then Lise Meitner, the school that they happen to go to is called the Meitner School. And Lise Meitner was a colleague of Otto Han's. And then finally, there's a character in the episode named Kirk Goodall, who was named after Kurt Goodall, who was a mathematician. Oh my gosh, this is jam-packed. Yeah, they went real deep. And these are all names we hear a ton. Yes. So they really were hammering home like, we're nerding out for the nerds <laughs> here. <laughs> and the nerds appreciated it. <laughs> I love that for you. After the fact, I had to go and look it all up because I was so enthralled by it all. I was like, what is going on? I know I'm the Sean because we'll get to a part where, like, Sean is my spirit animal. It's pretty early on, so don't worry, but... I'm excited to talk to you about the stripes versus plaid dynamic in this episode. Okay, okay. Because all I wrote down was so many pinstripes. Um... <laughs> there were. Juliet had on a pinstripe suit. Gus had on a pinstripe suit. Like, it was the whole thing. So many. I didn't catch as much. There was a lot going on. I was taking constant notes, so I'm not surprised that I skipped it, but I'm glad that you caught it. This Yeah, this I episode. caught it. I'm excited to talk about it when we get there. Oh, heck yes. Shall we start then? Showtime. This is To, to the, the Blueberry! I am Alexis, and like I said earlier, I am a nerd and a real-life Gus. I'm Kaylee. I'm, I don't know, aloof and cool sometimes. No, I'm really not. <laughs> and I'm the Sean. <laughs> we are a real-life best friend duo who decided, kind of on a whim, to start a podcast about our favorite show, Psych. And Ooh. just so we had a good reason to talk to each other once a week. It's worked out really, really well, even though we had to reschedule a lot for this week. Yeah, this but... week was a rough one. I'm very excited to get into this one. Yes, this is a good episode. Finally. <laughs> this is season two, episode seven. If you're so smart, then why are you dead? And we open, as usual, in 1987 with our patented flashback. And we get Henry, I wrote just Henry with lemonade, playing, playing chess with baby Sean. They're so cute, but so cute. little baby Sean can't remember the names of the actual pieces i'm going to okay speaking of names i want to say i'm gonna give sean the credit here it was all a misdirect and it worked i think it could have been i because i agree it, okay so henry's like if you want to play you got to learn the names so he points to the knight 
And he goes, what is this one called? Because Sean has already said, I'm going to move this pointy guy out of the way with my little horsey. And that's when Henry stops him. But Henry goes, what is he actually called? I call him Dwight. Which rhymes with night. <laughs> okay, so he, I mean, he, he knows. I feel like he knows. And then he's like, what about this one? And it's the um, the Black Bishop. B.A. Baracus. Black Bishop B.A. Baracus. <laughs> who is Mr. T's character in the A-Team. There it is. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I feel like this is just him letting Henry do the lecturing that he knows is coming because it's a distraction. Yeah. I, I think you're so. right. Either that or, you know, that's just how Sean's brain works. It doesn't work in the same, like, following the rules, following the standards that Henry's brain works in, but it has the same end result. And Henry tells him, when you're on the force, mm-hmm. you're going to have to take in so much information. And Sean's already doing that. He's just filing it away differently. His mind palace isn't built like Henry's, and so it throws Henry off. And I think this is, like, this can be, like, a quick shout-out to atypical, like, brain function. Like, it's still functional. It's just not how the other person's brain works. So they have to play catch-up, and they're not used to it. So you know what? We're waving the flag here today. (laughs) (laughs) But Henry tells him, you gotta focus up and get serious. You're not gonna be able to make this up as you go. And we start getting a little hemming and hawing, like, um, uh, and Henry's like, what, what are you trying to say? What do you, what are you trying to put a name to? He's like, I can't remember what it's called. Oh yeah. Checkmate. (laughs) (laughs) Bye dad. And it just like, it was already set up. Nothing else had to happen. It was going to be checkmate either way. But Henry was so just laser focused on making him call things by the right name. He completely missed it and yep. didn't see it coming. So that's the end of our opening scene. <laughs> that lands us in present day where Sean is doing the psychic reading for this really pretty young woman who is afraid that her boyfriend might be cheating on her. I said pretty sad lady. She was pretty sad. But I would be too, if I'm going to be honest, in her situation, which was Sean deduced from looking at a receipt from lunch. the lunch receipt and she's okay so she's afraid and she's asking sean whether or not he's cheating on her because something's not right he said does he always take you out to dinner and i bet he never pays with credit card only cash and you can call him at work and on his cell phone but absolutely no calls at home and she was like oh my gosh that's all right she looked at gus and said you must be amazed by him all the time and he goes mm-hmm. i'm something This is where I wrote Gus Pinstripe Suit. (laughs) Yes. We have come to the conclusion that he's not cheating on her. He's married. And she's She's the the other other woman. woman. I hate that for her. Mm -hmm. That son of a... So she's like, are you sure? He goes, tell him a friend told you he was married and his face will say it all. And I'm like, yeah, don't call him about this. Yeah, no, no, you you gotta do it. Yes. In public also because... (laughs) Yeah, but um, John gives her Gus's card. He reaches into Gus's front chest pocket of his suit and pulls out Gus's card. It's pretty amazing. Um, and Gus is at first kind of fighting it, and then when she tries to hand it back, he's like, "No, no, no, you you keep that." <laughs> they're headed back to the psych office on the boardwalk, and they're having a little walk and talk. And we find out that Sean has a real client. Mister Shockley and Mister Goodard are. At the office waiting for them. 
They were supposed to be there at two, but... Somebody had to have the Belgian chocolate fondue. <laughs> that was you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's already 2.18, so they run to the office. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't know which of them is Shockley and which of them is Godard. So the ginger, the tall, lanky ginger is Shockley because the shorter one keeps referring to him as Shock. Oh, I don't think I ever caught that. Yeah, it was really fun. And I was like, ooh, does Godard have a fun yeah. um, nickname? No, he never gets called anything else. Okay. The kids are in the office. They're in their little uniforms. Also, my brain today was all messed up. I, w- I rewatched it this morning just for the heck of it. And I was like, how many uniform shirts did they have to make for this episode? They were just maroon polos. I was like, these are hideous. <laughs> I mean, they all had patches on them. Now, they were probably either like quickly poorly sewn on and glued on or ironed on or something but i mean every kid at that school had one of those shirts on yeah and and we saw a lot in that auditorium it wasn't like a fake nine they were really making the extra work happen here yeah it wasn't like our versus the red phantom where it's like a convention and it's kind of sparse looking Mm -hmm. (laughs) um let's see do yeah i wrote two teens tiny tiny teen boys <laughs> the ginger he is known from disney's austin and Allie, uh-huh. and he's also in the show reboot right now with johnny knoxville and I'm not remembering her name but i love her so much Crap. i don't know her name but the other one is keegan michael key oh yeah 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 him too um <laughs> but but here's my fun fact about him he was actually in the red phantom episode he was malcontent so the only time we ever saw him was at the very end of that episode where he was wrapped up in duct tape underneath the stage. But That's, oh my god! Right? Right? So I will admit it. I was probably too old and I was watching Austin and Allie because I, I declared it earlier, I'm a nerd. But I recognized him back in the Malcontent episode, in the Rand Phantom episode, because I knew him from Austin and Allie. And then when he popped up in this one, I was like... I'm almost certain, and I went back and looked, and he absolutely was malcontent. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I was not going to catch that. When you said he was in another episode, my mind immediately went to Spelling Bee because of all the children. Yeah. <laughs> he, but, he's not that young. Yeah. That's one of the struggles, because in Red Phantom, he was playing like an 18-year-old. In this episode, he's playing a high school kid. Okay, so he looks really young and he looks small when he's sitting down. Yeah. But the boy's got legs for days because when they're standing side by side at the school, he's taller than everybody except maybe Gus. No, no, he's taller than Gus too. I noticed that. Is he? (laughs) I just noticed he was way taller than Sean and his little buddy, so. (laughs) We get our opening credits and when we get back, they're still in the office. And Sean said, you know, let's, before we start yelling at one another about taking or not taking the case, let's hear them out. (laughs) And so the boys tell them their story. Well, basically, they're like, so there's a murderer. He's killed before. He's willing to do it again. And we don't know who could be next. And it's one of our teachers. And they're like, so which one of your terrible, awful teachers is it? And they're like, we don't know. And then they're like, okay, well, who's who's this next person on their hit list? And they're like, well, we don't know. And they're like, and when is this supposed to happen? They're like, we don't know (laughs) but the kids just are like please let us start from the top and fill in all the blanks here so first they said we went to meitner to and gus immediately interrupts them and goes you guys go to meitner 
And they're like, yeah. And he said, these boys are geniuses. And Technically near genius. <laughs> Gus is just in love with this idea. Apparently they broke in that night to do something and Sean stopped oh, them. They <laughs> they broke in to commandeer the space probe and make it blink a word in old Morse code. They go, what word? And the boys in unison go, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sean and I cracked up. <laughs> like, of course you did. And Gus goes, you went through all that just to make some NASA techs scratch their head. They're like, yeah, yep. isn't it awesome? Like, we're teenage geniuses, and this is what we're using our powers for. <laughs> Before they explained what they did, Sean stopped them and said, say no more, fight club. It wasn't oh, yeah. a fight club, obviously. <laughs> they said when they were trying to reconfigure the space probe, they somehow got onto a phone call, and they heard this deep, gravelly voice talk to their cousin, Muriel. And he said... I'm not going to be pushed into a corner again. And then Sean cuts in and said, are you sure it wasn't dirty dancing? And they said, if I have to kill him, I will. It won't be my first time. By Wednesday, he's a goner. And Sean said, a goner? It may have been James Cagney. I fully support that reference. (laughs) (laughs) I make James Cagney gangster movie references all the time. (laughs) We went Fight Club, Dirty Dancing, James Cagney really, really quickly. And so the boys step away to convene about this and they jinx each other saying, we're taking this case. <laughs> and Sean's like, wait a second. <laughs> but not before we get a sweet, sweet 21 Jump Street reference. Obviously, Sean's going to be Johnny Depp. And unfortunately, the only person Gus can pass for is Richard Roundtree. No, it's Holly Robinson. Oh, and that's right. when Gus said, why can't I be Richard Greco? And Sean says, why would you want to be Richard Grieco? There it is. And then did his Gus impression of, like, aren't you usually the one saying, like, we don't take this case. This is dumb. These are just kids. And that's when he said, I don't sound like Richard Roundtree. (laughs) That's it. Why is Gus so into taking this case? Because he was a king in high school. You weren't a king just because you carried a scepter. You were in Macbeth, and you played Banquo's son. Okay, so, <laughs> hi, I have your Shakespeare corner at the ready. Oh, Are we please. there? Please, please, okay. please. Gus said he was a king in high school. He was in the play Macbeth, and he only played Banquo's son, who you don't really see a lot in that play. But it does make him a king, because according to the witches, whose prophecy sets off all the craziness with Macbeth, doing murders and things, they say, Hail, lesser than Macbeth and greater, not so happy, yet much happier. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none. So all hail Macbeth and Banquo. So Macbeth commits murder, becomes king, but doesn't have any progeny, and then after all is said and done, Banquo's progeny becomes the king of Scotland. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, being Banquo's kid does make you next in line to the throne. That's legit. We end up cutting to SVPD. And Juliet is so excited because it's her and Lassiter's anniversary. Uh, Lassie's still in a sling. Yes. Is what I wrote. Very much so. <laughs> um, he's like, what do you want? <laughs> I'm not getting you a present. She's like, I don't want a present. He's like, you all say that, you women... And then you're mad about whatever you do get. 
And then she's like, are we talking about your life? Like, what did you get her? And he's like, cash, cash. mostly. And she, she <laughs> makes this face. <laughs> oh, you poor man. Probation is over and Juliet wants to be primary on a case. Chief Vic has already approved it. It is his duty to mold young officers. There it is. So he picks up his little clipboard, right? Yeah. Of all his files, of all his cases. And he ends up giving Juliet the case of the two boys and their quote-unquote murdering teacher. Well, he calls it complaining about their teacher. Because mm. first we go, homicide, and she's all excited. It's like, oh, nah, too sticky for your first case. Two, um, a high-tech burglary. Mm, too involved. Uh, three, a bake sale slap fight. And she's like, are you kidding? And he's like, it sounds easy, but the last time I got embroiled in one, we had to call in SWAT. And she's she's not taking him seriously. He's like, ah, here you go. Kids complaining about their teacher. Juliet is so excited. She is going to take on this case. She picks it up. She looks at Lassiter and goes, let's roll. And they head to the high school. Where are we cut to? Sean's like, ah, high school. I always wanted to prove that one of our teachers was a monster. Do you remember our freshman music teacher, Miss Morganstorm? She was a night breed. Gus goes, no, she wasn't. And then she, <laughs> okay, I have a pop culture aside for this one. Oh, good. <laughs> because he goes on and on and on. So Nightbreed was a terrible movie in 1990, adapted to screen and directed by the author of the novella Cabal, um, author Clive Barker. So Sean goes, she was a Nightbreed. And Gus says, no, she wasn't. And he said, she used to date Craig Schaefer, who's in the movie. He's the lead character. Oh, and then he, he goes, she wore a ton of makeup and lived in a cemetery. <laughs> next Guess to a cemetery. Next to. He's like, we couldn't prove it because someone was too scared to come check it out with me. <laughs> the kids come in and they start asking if there are any leads, if they have any suspects. And Sean immediately goes, hold it there, Doogie. First things first. Where do I get that juice box? And does it come in Great Delicious? Is that our delicious for the episode? Does that count? I'm going to call it. Yeah. That's what I thought. And they're really impatient with him. They're like, you should be somewhere with this by now. Aren't you a psychic? If you're so smart, why don't you figure it out? Midterms. Duh. <laughs> they have to keep up their grades in order to keep their scholarships and their stipends. And Sean is ready. Sean's like, okay, what's our cover going to be? I'm going to be the teenager. You're going to be the cheerleader's best friend. And... They're like, there's no way you can pass for a teenager. Yeah, you have righteds around your eyes. Which are crow's feet. And one of the boys goes, do you squint or make funny faces a lot? And I was just like, oh, boys got your number. Sean just squints at him in response. <laughs> <laughs> Gus says, no, no, I've got this all worked out. We're a documentary team here to film our new documentary. <laughs> Teenuses in, in the mix. mix. <laughs> they're like we actually already thought this through here are your badges they are visiting guest lecturers they are walking around with i think it's the principal and he said we usually don't offer classes on paranormal studies but the kids get to choose right. one a quarter that's it or one a year something like that yeah so the kids i guess got together and like requested it and so that's how they got them in they're in what looks like a library and they're talking. It's kind of a weird scene that goes on and there's nothing really going on. But that, there are pop culture references. That, yes, ends with Sean saying, what is this study hall? 
And the principal goes, no, it's a recess, actually. And then Sean goes, hey, does it smell like teen spirit in here? Oh, and then a kid gets up behind him and just goes, shh. And then he, like me, responds to being shushed by going, and like <laughs> bolster, like a bluff charge towards the kid, but Gus holds him back. <laughs> we keep walking, the principal's still taking them on their tour, and, but then Gus said, hey, is it possible for a former applicant to request their application file? The principal's like, well, no, that's that's not really something we usually do. And all we see is Sean tilt his head. And then they make their way into like the actual principal's admin office area. The principal steps away from them and he's like, oh, so-and-so is going to finish up the filing of your paperwork, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Sean rounds on Gus. Like, um, application, huh? <laughs> is that why you cried for a month when you were 10? Because you were rejected? Oh, snap. But then we get a duck. And Lassie and Jules are walking into the office. We get this really cute scene with them where Lassie is sort of counting down the lessons as he gives them to Juliet. The 638 lessons. He cuts the line, pushes a kid out of the way, in fact, and remember his face. And then he goes, lesson number two, cops don't wait in line, even at Starbucks. And I counted this as a pop culture reference. I would, yeah, I would consider it such. I'm thinking Miss Congeniality, and also it is, what to call it, it's an Easter egg inside joke thing for Maggie and Mm -hmm. Tim, because they were coffee buddies, and like they would just like run to Starbucks for each other with each other prior to work, during work. It was just like, they were so caffeinated on this set. The boys just jump up and go, hello, welcome to the Meitner School, and, oh, oh, Lassie, oh my gosh, are you okay? We heard that a cop named Lassie died. Jules, did you get the flowers? <laughs> Lassie 3 was a retired police dog. This is our first reference of Lassiter to Lassie the dog. They were kind of talking about everything that's going on, and by the end of it, Lassiter said, okay, now what do we say? And Juliet looks at the boys and goes, stay out of my way and don't get involved, Spencer. And then she makes this face of like, I'm sorry. No. So (laughs) I wrote down, (laughs) I wrote down that the boys are like really just confused. And she makes this face like, yeah, that tasted bad in my mouth. That's it. (laughs) We keep walking and the boys are talking, just Sean and Gus. Who is the one person who would know the behind the scenes action, the after hours action? Gus once made friends with his school janitor. So they catch sight of this school janitor and approach. They got a little bit worried though, because he could be the bad guy, especially if he had a deep gravelly voice. But uh, And he turns around and does not have a deep gravelly voice. No. They ask him about Friday night and he gets all twitchy and all shaky and... <laughs> Sean said, I can tell you're lying. The spirits tell me your dirty little pants are on fire. (laughs) The guy is being cagey because that night he found a gold pin. It's currently sitting in Lost and Found, but after it's been there for a week, it is his. Legit. They asked him what the pin was, and he said, I don't know. Do I look like Jake and the Fat Man? So... Okay, good. Pop culture reference. (laughs) This was a 1987 show that ran for five seasons, and actually Diagnosis Murder was a spinoff of this show. Um, Jake, Yeah. So Jake was an investigator, played by Joe Perry, and then J.L. Fatman McCabe is a prosecutor. 
And so I think it was like a buddy procedural, but I've never seen it. <laughs> the janitor doesn't want to talk about it because if it stays in Lost and Found for two weeks, it's his. Free game. Two weeks, that's it. So they ask where Lost and Found is because they want to try to find this pin. They end up in the office, I think, looking through Lost and Found. And the very first thing that Sean pulls up is a microscope. Who, Who loses, loses a, a microscope? microscope and doesn't realize it? <laughs> There are so many retainers. <laughs> and 168 pairs of hideous eyeglasses. But they find the pin. Sean says, sexy pin? <laughs> Gus corrects him, and it's not an S. It is the integral sign in calculus, which is the area under the curve XY. So they're like, we are looking for a math teacher, clearly. So they go to the teacher's lounge, and they say, Act natural. Yes, <laughs> we get an act natural. But they're like, there are no math peeps in here because Sean is clocking everyone. So they looked at one guy and he said, that guy has goggle marks. He's obviously some sort of chem lab teacher. Oh, that woman has a violin hickey, music teacher. But uh, the gym teacher is probably more up my alley. Or our speed. Our speed. <laughs> so they go over to chit chat with him. Do you, did you write down his name? Nope. He's kind of babelicious. Yeah, he is. He's going to be the hot gym teacher. No, no. He is the hot gym teacher. <laughs> He's the hot gym teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so they start chatting him up. He mentions Professor Han, the math, uh, one of the math teachers. They first said, we're trying to find a teacher who specializes in calculus because they know the integral over XY is a calculus symbol. And he was like, oh, that must be Professor Han. He handles all remedial math. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Somebody doesn't know what the word remedial is. Yeah, so uh, that's how I feel about that. Okay. He said, <laughs> I know you can find him at the end of the day because he's in my carpool. And the boys are like, great. We had to take a bus here. I gave myself a wedgie. And Gus had to sit next to the girl who peed. Can we get a lift home? <laughs> no, I love this cover story. The blueberry's been impounded because Gus parked on a statue. <laughs> I'm contesting. <laughs> and they're so fast and it's clearly they're making it up on the spot. And I just loved it so mm -hmm. much that like how straight they play it. Yeah. It cracks me up more than anything. Cut to the carpool, <laughs> which is... A mess because Gus is up front chatting with hot gym teacher. Sean and Han and <laughs> I hate this. Sean and Han and another professor are in the back seat smushed together, and Sean's being insufferable. But he's psyching out, and this guy's like, I don't care what they brought you in for. I don't believe in psychics. This is tosh, pish posh. And <laughs> he doesn't talk like that, but that's his attitude, and I hate him. So Sean psychs out on him, and he makes a couple of references. It starts with are you a right said Fred fan? Are you too sexy for your shirt? Excuse me? And he pulls up the pin. And I don't know if he actually goes, boop, when he pulls it up. But that's what I hear. I hear, boop. I'll go with that. So this man's got a deep voice and a missing pin. Han is telling the driver, the, the gym teacher, where his house is. And Sean said, I'm, I'm guessing that he might have forgotten because... You didn't take the carpool last Friday. And Han is just straight up mean. He's straight up mean to the gym teacher. He yells at him. 
He calls him a moron. And he tells him that if he doesn't pick him up on time tomorrow, he's going to kill him with a wooden stick. He didn't actually say kill him with a wooden stick. There was some threat, and I don't know what it was. Yeah, he was really angry and really mean, and we don't like him. Now, we'll get to why he's really mean a little bit later. Does that... I mean, I didn't feel like it was explained that that was why he's mean. When we get there, I will tell you my theory. Okay. Okay. We're back at Meitner. Oh, and the boys want to know if they have any leads because I'm adapting this into a Nancy Drew fanfic. Of course he is. Oh, Godard. Anyway, they're going to have a seminar for his paranormal studies course. And Han is there. And Sean's going to get him to confess. And Oh, can I, can I tell you one of my favorite lines from the show that we, we just skipped? Oh, yeah. Back when they're talking to the boys, the boys hand them these note cards of things not to do. And they just start kind of listing them off. And one of them goes, don't dangle your participles. And Gus goes, at least not in public. <laughs> Love that line. I, I, said, I saw that when it happened. I didn't write it down. We're in the classroom. We're at the front. We're at the blackboard. And it's one of those tiered rooms. And it's We cool. didn't have. Yeah. And we did not have very many of those at my college. Mm-mm. But Sean is writing some weird stuff on the board. And they're talking. And Sean's like, I'm going to get him to confess. First the carrot, then the stick. And Gus is like, you're not making any sense. He goes, I heard it somewhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What he ends up writing on the board is physics. Physics. The physics of psychics. I will be your psychic ferryman over the river Styx. And that's Gus. My fairy. fairy. (laughs) All of us is born with a little bit of what I like to call paranormal evidence. (laughs) And then he psychs out. And he starts reading children in the room. And we've got a little skeptic. And Sean's like, do you want me to tell them why you wear that white hoodie every single day? Because I know you do. And the kid shuts up. The boy's got dandruff, which I gotta respect. He's doing a good job hiding it with that sweatshirt, so. (laughs) He kind of catches another student who has this line across his forehead where it looks like maybe he had put some lotion or something on and he was like, a good moisturizer will be great for that combination skin that you have and maybe you should hold off on shaving until you can actually grow hair because he can see where he like had started to shave and missed some spots and the kid was like i don't believe you there's no way that you're psychic and he's like oh ho, ho, ho. do you want to test me is that what this is and the kid's like yeah let me write something on the board and sean's like and i will divine the answer from your little super brain okay jeopardy style Young Trebek here. <laughs> Sean and Gus have some really good back and forth at this point. About Jeopardy. And yeah. I didn't write down all of it. One of it was like, the little kid who thinks he's going to outsmart me. And Gus goes, who is this guy? <laughs> so he writes down a really complicated math equation on the board. Sean blames his negative vibes on the blockage that he's getting. And basically kicks him out of the class and sends him to the principal. Yeah, gives him a full, like, face palm and pushes him out. The number that he wrote <laughs> was Avogadro's number. I used Avogadro's number in chemistry and physics, but I never actually remember using it in math, so. 
I didn't know what that was or that it was a real thing at all. So <laughs> congratulations, Gus. It is. I didn't recognize it. I got it from the notes, I'm going to be honest. But when I, when I saw the something per mole squared, I, I kind of knew. Like, I, I remember using it, but I don't remember exactly what it was for. I'm like, that child wrote some nonsense on the blackboard. <laughs> <laughs> there was a note that gave me what the actual number was. And it pointed out that in the close-up shots of Sean and the kid... The number was actually incorrect, but when they cut back to the full, like the full view, the number was correct on the board. So there was a little bit of a continuity issue there. Also, somebody That's just really fun messed up the number, which I think is really funny. I feel like that makes it better somehow. <laughs> but Sean starts reading Han at oh, this point. When he kicks the kid out, he just looks at the students and goes, "None of you should be friends with him." And I was like, "Don't." like bully the nerd with the other nerds that's so low <laughs> i don't have that much here i just got that he starts reading han well fake reading han and he's going i can sense the secret darkness and he's like uh i don't know i mean everybody has their secrets i guess and then he goes no you are plotting with your cousin muriel and he's like fully faking. Han goes, oh yeah, oh yeah. And my cousin is so, so hard to uh, uh, surprise. And we're we're trying to uh, do a surprise party. We're plotting very hard and being very sneaky. So that's probably what you're getting. And then we get a cut back to SBPD and Jules is just tap, tap, tapping her nails on her desk. And Lassie's on the phone talking to someone about puppies. Like training them or something random he finally is like if you're so sick of waiting for me why don't you be an authority figure and actually do something about it and tell me off and instead she just takes the phone from him and like hangs it up and he's like "Ooh, okay and i just wrote be aggressive be be aggressive juliet thinks that the thing to do here, since we don't know what's going to happen, we should focus on the murder that already happened. Ooh. Juliet goes and grabs all of the files of all of the unsolved homicides that have any relationship to the Lightning School. She's like, and this is exactly the kind of work that you would usually pawn off on me. And he's like, uh-huh. And she's like, now it's yours. <laughs> You're drunk with power. And he's so proud. Mm -hmm. And we're back at Meitner. So he's describing what everyone's little kernel and power, like how to harness the kernel of, Besides what did we call it? Paranormal evidence. Paranormal evidence, there it is. Yes, he's like, you need to harness this power. And it's like that moment when you think of a song and it suddenly plays on the radio, or the moment when you know it's right to kiss the girl. And then everyone's hand goes up. Little boy in white sweatshirt hand goes up and goes, Professor? And Sean said, call me sensei. Sensei? <laughs> How can we harness the power to kiss girls? Gus smooths up and goes, I'll take it from here. Okay, let's stripe some plaid for a second. Ooh. When Sean is acting as the professor of the class, he's wearing striped shirts. Gus was wearing a solid shirt and then I want to say a suit. On those two scenes, or maybe two solid shirts, he doesn't put on... Or no, one of them is definitely plaid. So they switch that role when Sean takes, like, the smart professor role. So I think that was kind of funny. That is a good catch. Yeah. I love that. In the past episode, when he was being the psychic, he was wearing plaid. When Sean takes on the Gus role, 
the more serious, like, learned person role, he's wearing stripes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Gus wants to take it from here because he went to prom with the hottest girl in school. Sean said, that's because I told her you were dying. Otherwise, I would have had to pay for the limo. Let me have this, Sean. Gus steps up. Also, Sean's mullet in this this scene is too much. He needs a haircut. I was too distracted. Oh, my he gosh. He definitely needs a haircut. He needs a haircut. Season, Gus gets up with his wisdom and he said, I call it the Kadeem Hardison method. What is that a reference to? So Kadeem Hardison was an actor who was in A Different World, which was a spinoff of The Cosby Show. That's what he's best known for. So he said, that's what I'll use what's called the Kadeem Hardison method. If you're on a date and then immediately all of the hands go up again. Sean said, I'm getting a psychic vision. If you're about to ask who Kadeem Hardison is or how to ask a girl on a date, put him down. And every hand goes down. You're a bunch of geniuses and it's not your fault you haven't kissed a girl yet. I mean, look at you guys. You're surrounded by dudes. And these two girls with crew cuts, like, raised their hands. They're like, we're girls. And, like, it's a mess. And I'm so glad they cut away. And I was like, we- Gus is not prepared to wade into this <laughs> at all. Like, he wanted he wanted this moment, and he, he just isn't prepared. Nope. <laughs> they had it on their walk and talk. Sean's kind of just looking at his hand, and he goes, puberty monster or misunderstood friend. He's going to write a book or a story or something. And then he said that that kid had some weird zit cream on his face. When Sean facepalmed that kid to kick him out of the classroom, he got whatever was on his face on his hand. Just like, don't touch other people's faces. Don't even touch your own face. Stop touching. (laughs) Gus sees Professor Enrico and gives him a bro hug, which is kind of funny. Professor Enrico was the one who interviewed Gus 20 years ago for the Meitner School. And the guy didn't really remember Gus, and he was like, oh, I was the one who tap danced? And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. I bet you're going into all kinds of great things. I bet you're doing great things now. Are you back to visit your alma mater? And he was like, no, I didn't get in. And he was like, well, I definitely recommended you for admission. Uh, I wonder what happened. Yeah, so at first he couldn't remember Gus. He's like, was this recently, this application interview? And he's like... About 20 years ago, but I tap danced to trochaic tetrometer, which is not fancy as a tap dance because trochaic tetrometer is basically just four stressed syllables in a sentence. So it's kind of, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) so a trochee is the opposite of a I am. Okay. So if, if an I am is a unstressed and it's stressed, a trochee is a stressed and then unstressed. And so I'm like, did that tap dance really want to th- make this man want to cry? <laughs> like, um, one of the examples is uh, By the Shores of Gitche Goo is a trochaic tetrometer sentence. Oh. The guy said, well, I'm sure you're doing great things with your life. And he was like, no, I'm in pharma. And Gus is like, no, I'm in pharmaceuticals, you, you know, helping people. Professor Enrico just walks away, kind of confused. Sean said, dude, you didn't even mention magic head. (laughs) The young boys come up and they are worried. There is only one more day until the murder that they heard being planned. They're like, how do we get Han? How do we catch Han? How do we find him? And they said, well, we only really see him at the beginning of the day when he's getting his espresso. But he was involved in an attack that happened five years ago on campus 
But that's pretty much all we got. They can't come up with a name or anything. But they yeah, do remember and- that the kid got expelled. We need to put a pin in the fact that Han gets espresso every morning. Yes, that's important. So the boys make their way to the file room because the only person in the past 10 years who has been expelled was Lester Buckland. They're about to get killed by the amount of dust on these filing cabinets. (laughs) Sean's checking the right folders and Gus is on the other side of the room checking something quite different. When Sean finds Lester's file, he sees that there was a situation where Lester punched Han, but Han found out something about Lester and Lester was being extorted by Han for his scholarship money. And that's where we come to find out that Han is a blackmailer. Dun, dun, dun. Sean walks to find Gus and Gus is just on the floor. And he looked up at Sean and said... I got in. (gasps) Gus is freaking out. It says parents denied admission. This altered the course of his entire life. Why would they do this to him? And Gus starts referencing sliding doors. Mm -hmm. And Sean's like, what? And Gus goes, you know, sliding doors. Sean's like, I've never seen that movie. I'm pretty sure I'd remember watching that particular Gwyneth Paltrow vehicle, which I love this movie. It's got one of the best pixie hairstyle transformation (laughs) scenes. Like every hairstylist loved this movie for that. But yes, it's very good. They're in the blueberry and Gus is calling his parents mad because they had denied his admission. They changed the course of his life. And Sean was like, well, maybe they did it because your parents didn't want to split us up. I was your only friend for a while who wasn't imaginary or a action figure. Oh, shots fired. But Gus has like left the fifth message for his parents and he's like, he's over it. Oh, just for the record in this scene, because only Sean and Gus are in the blueberry, the headrests are There are headrests. Yeah. I did notice that and I was like, ah, headrests. I was like, nobody's in the backseat. It doesn't even count. (laughs) It's Gus's turn to drive the carpool. And so they are headed to Han's house to pick him up. And this is the day that the murder was supposed to happen, according to the phone call the boys overheard. They are very worried to be the only person in the car with who they believe to be the murderer. And Sean's like, when it's just the three of us, I will totally break him down. I also wrote hideous stripes because in this scene, I didn't like the stripes. (laughs) They pull up and there's fire trucks everywhere. This house is burnt to the studs and they clock a coroner's van. Yep. This is Han's house. When they get inside and they talk to Juliet and Lassiter, Lassiter walks up with a coffee pot and said that that was the murder weapon. Apparently the natural gas from the stove was left on all night. When the coffee pot clicked on in the morning, it created a spark and the house went kaboom. Sean said, no, 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 I'm having a second vision. It was definitely a kablam. (laughs) someone's walking by and sean clocks the evidence bag and inside is a foreclosure notice with today's date on it so this is what i was talking about earlier when i said why i that i kind of understand why han is such an angry guy so he's working at a genius school where he's not making enough money he is being looked down upon by all of the other teachers because he's teaching remedial math and his house is being foreclosed his foreclosure date is coming up quickly. And so although he's a bad guy because he was blackmailing kids, 
I've got to get him some credit. Like if I was, if my house was being foreclosed on, I would be uh, pretty upset too. He's been trying to blackmail people for decades. Yeah, that's true. So. For at least five years. Yeah. He's done nothing else to change the situation. He could have sold that house and like not lived alone in that huge place. That was a big ass house. It was. And he lives in Santa Barbara. This is true. On a teacher's salary, like, bruh. <laughs> it's either hustle culture or downsizing. Anyway, this was the early aughts, so what do I know? <laughs> right. Things were different then. Sean starts to have another flashback, though, and he remembers the boy saying that he gets his espresso every morning at the school. So why is there even a coffee maker set to come on? This is what drew me here. This is what drew me to this place. There's something else going on. I don't do this normally, but... Go talk to the coffee person. The, the, what do they call them? They're not cashiers. They're not service workers. They're, and Gus said, barista. barista. Okay. <laughs> How do you say that word? I definitely say barista. Okay. I say barista. I have only ever heard anyone call it barista, but he said barista. And I don't understand it. I don't know what people do on the West Coast. I really don't. It's like risotto. Risotto. Sean sees the file that said foreclosure. He sees another file that said Muriel, which was the name that the boys heard on the phone call, juvenile hall records from update like 15 years ago. And Sean is certain that something bad is going on. Sean and Gus leave and Lassiter said, your point on this case, Juliet, what do you want to do? Make the call. And Juliet said, I think it's kind of suspicious that those boys came in predicting the murder and then it happened we should go talk to them again and then we go to sbpd <laughs> i just wrote jules attempting to play act being a hard ass in interrogation and then we find out that she's face to face with lassiter practicing interrogation skills and he's super not impressed when she's done kind of laying into him she goes okay how was that and he said terrible you were lowercase mad i need you to be uppercase mad and then Buzz. Buzz comes in. He says, um, we're still holding those strange kids <laughs> in the other interrogation room. They're ready to go talk to the strange kids. But Lassiter stops Juliet and said, hey, I think maybe I should take the lead on this one. You mean because the case is finally getting interesting, Lassiter? You suddenly want to snake it out from under her? What kind of job is that? But there was an explosion. He's never worked a case with an explosion. He's He's gone through all kinds of things, including, according to him, a murder by thermometer. But Ugh. never an explosion. And he said, don't you ever have dreams of outrunning a fireball? And Juliet just looks at him and is like, no, you crazy person. <laughs> they go in and they're attempting, well, they're not even really trying that hard to tag team the kids. They're just being themselves, really. Mm -hmm. And Juliet's being reasonable and nice and like, believes what they're saying and is trying to get them to say more and then Lassiter's doing this bad cop thing and it's really ridiculous and they're like yeah you guys aren't really hitting this good cop bad cop dyad at all like do you even know game theory or the prisoner's dilemma <laughs> the young boys start to kind of feel something and they're like what are you two together and the other one goes oh no she's way out of his league and <laughs> the look on Jules's face 
compared to Lassie's mm-hmm. face. And then they just start to read Lassie to filth. Like, they almost start to psych out on him. They do, yeah. <laughs> He's like, mm, well, he's got no ring. At his age, I'm guessing divorce. Lassiter starts to go, what? But, 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 and the other one And he goes. can't talk about it, so I'm getting recent, but I'm not getting divorced. I see separated. <laughs> Buzz walks in with a coffee for Lassiter, because I guess that's what Buzz does. And Lassie grabs him, pushes him against the wall, and just full-on manhandles Buzz and goes, Just listen. This is going to be you when you're 18. And he kind of threatens the boys in a way that I don't and- think police officers should be doing to minors, but okay. But they're also laughing at him because they're like, this isn't intimidating your arms in a sling. (laughs) You're like, this one-armed thing is not uh, scary. We cut to Henry's house and the boys are on uh, this old, old school computer at Henry's house. And Henry comes in and just looks at him and goes, when did I start running a daycare? Um, The boys are in the kitchen fixing food because of course they are. They're at Henry's. Gus is eating. Because that's what happens. As Henry's walking out, he grabs Sean's sandwich and goes, thank you. And he walks out. Sean said, I'm kind of on for this plan. I think this sounds good, but I don't understand why we had to come to Henry's house. And (laughs) Gus points out that the young boys are worried about them getting caught for hacking. But if they trace the hacking, it's going to send them to an ancient computer that was formerly purchased by a police officer a retired can, police detective. Can like, you say wild goose chase? <laughs> so the boys hack the juvie record on Henry's ancient computer. And the one boy goes, I didn't know they still made ColecoVision. When the camera is on the boys, if you look in the background on Henry's tiki bar. Pineapple hunt. There are two pineapple cups sitting on his tiki bar. In the background. Now, I'm going to say it. I cheated. But they are 100% there. Ah! Ginger! <laughs> and that full-on pineapple cups in the background. I never would have caught that if I hadn't cheated, but I did. So we get into the 1991-ish record. And the kids are like, this is weird. There are only pictures. And so they click on one of them. Sean goes, mm, that one. And they bring up the picture. They're like, that's weird. How did a modern picture get mixed in with these ones from 15 years ago? And they didn't. There is a picture of the kid that Sean sent to the principal's office. Do they see the name there, Kirk Goodell? Yeah, so the boys know, the young boys know his name. They go, oh, that's Kirk Goodell. This wasn't a modern picture, though. This picture was taken 15 years ago. What? Sean heads to the... Santa Barbara Police Department and starts having a psychic freak out with Juliet. And he said, the man from Snowy River. Eddie Makin's run. Spartacus. Kirk Douglas? Kirk, that's it. Huh? So they look up Kirk Goodall. And <laughs> this is, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce the name. I don't know how Sean pronounces the name. But he ends it with, I think it's pronounced like that because of the omelet on the O. <laughs> and then Juliet said, Umlaut? And then Sean said, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> they find a newspaper article from Muriel County that has a story about Kirk Goodall, who happened to die in a car crash. But Juliet can't find the death record of this kid anywhere. 
Sean has a full-on flashback, and he goes back to when he facepalmed the kid and said that there was some weird stuff on his face. He's like, I don't know if that was real weird stuff. I think that might have been something else. He had that weird stuff on his face. He had hair on his chin, and he figures it out and goes, Juliet, we're gonna crack this case like an egg, and then we'll make some umlauts with shallots and justice. We head back to the Meitner School, where we are in Fusay 6-2, The Wrath of Khan. Good pop culture reference there. Today we're going to talk about comeuppets and how to solve a crime in a crowded room. He's looking around and he said, one of you has a secret. One of you has something going on. And he smacks his hands down on the table and looks at the kid right there in the front and goes, it's not you, you're fine, but you really need to do something about this hair. Start now. Because of course, we have to have a hair reference in every episode and this is it. He looked at the next kid and said, I should tell you to get rid of the earring, but I think it works on you. And Gus agrees and so they keep going. And then Sean points at Kirk and said, it's you, you have something to hide and he runs. And why do they always run Kaylee? It makes them look so <laughs> guilty. That and like, you're in a tiered room. You have to run upstairs <laughs> to a doorway. By the way, there's already cops at the doorway, so. <laughs> they caught him. They bring him back in. Juliet and Sean do this weird back and forth. Sean said, would the real Kirk Goodall please stand up? And Juliet said, I don't think that's going to happen because he's dead. <laughs> uh, oh, I have run away. And then I just have breakdown. Yeah. So he said, you stole his identity because you had a stint in juvie for causing someone's death 15 years ago. And Lassiter said, how can that be? He's just a kid. And, and Sean looked kids. up and go, goes, how could that happen, class? Shock says, time travel. Cryo-freeze. Cloning. Okay, you guys are done. No more answers. <laughs> he grabs Lassiter's hanky and rubs it against Kirk's forehead, shows it back to Lassiter, and we see that the kid had makeup on. And Lassiter says, he's wearing makeup? And then, I forget if it was like Shock or Goddard. I think it was Shock. Is he gay? And then we get this really funny, no, I don't know. And basically, like, he, like, shakes his head. He's like, it doesn't matter. That's not <laughs> what we're talking about here. It's like. <laughs> he said, this guy is actually 30 years old. No. And Juliet goes, oh, my gosh. What kind of moisturizer do you use? <laughs> and then Sean says, everyone, take notes. This will be on the test. Okay. I want to pause for a second. I want to go back to. This Kirk Goodall kid. Number of things here. Let's start with, dude's got a lot of uh, lines in his forehead. Like, more wrinkles in his forehead than Sean and Gus do. Dead giveaway. Yeah. Second of all, that guy who played that character was actually 30 years old. Huh. And he did a small stint on none other than 21 Jump Street. No. Yeah. Wait. Oh my gosh. Full circle. Full circle. I love that you found that out. Sorry, I had to cut that. Oh, also, when Juliet said, what kind of moisturizer do you use? The Kirk kid just kind of looks at her with this face of, I know, right? Like, he's so <laughs> proud of himself. <laughs> the kids are taking notes because this will be on the test. And Sean says, Juvie meant that you couldn't get into college, despite you always being the smartest kid in your class. It works to your advantage because everyone always told you that you had a baby face. 
So you decided to reset your life. It all lined up for you when you saw in the paper about the family with the 15-year-old son who tragically died. So you took over his ID. There was forgery and hacking. And then he went back to school. <laughs> with your new identity and your natural intelligence, you were a shoe in for Meitner. And that would lead you to a scholarship straight to the Ivies so you could be a yuppity yup. Except for all the blackmail, which led to murder, which led to more hacking. All right, everyone, pencils down! <laughs> it was brilliant until you got caught. Now, Juliet is so happy because she gets to close her first case. And Lassiter is proud and says, cough him, Juliet, here. Use mine. And he pulls his handcuffs out of his arm sling. Does he call her Julia or O'Hara? He probably calls her O'Hara. All right. I wrote O'Hara, but I've heard it both ways. In this entire scene, with all of these back and forths, Gus is down at the bottom of this well of a room, just looking on proudly. <laughs> like, they keep cutting to him, and he's just, like, nodding and, like, yeah, yeah. Like, he's not saying a word. Juliet said, any other lessons you want to teach me? And Lassiter goes, just one last lesson. Forget all the other lessons and know that you're a good cop. And there's this really sweet music cue. And she's very touched. She kind of looks down at Sean and mouths, thank you. And he just kind of nods. Yeah, she's going to take the assist. Like, it's still her case. Mm -hmm. That's it for that scene on my notes. And then we are back at Henry's, chess and lemonade. Mm -hmm. And we get a flashback joke about how this 30-year-old could have masqueraded as a 16, 15 year old, Sean's like, oh, come on, dad, slap a wig on you and you look just like your yourself 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a spitting image of yourself when I was a kid. We find out that Kirk's <laughs> real name was Jay Mysendale. And at the age of 15, he stole a car and killed a pedestrian on accident. Oof. And that's how he ended up in juvie. So that, that was the original murder. Mm -hmm. We see Gus and he is screaming on the phone at his parents. Oh, yeah. And I didn't write down a lot of this, but it's like his parents keep giving him excuses as to why they did what they did, and he's not accepting any of them. And and it ends with, you're telling me you changed the course of my life because dad doesn't like traffic? I never got car sick a day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Henry goes, what's with the uh, the special hand-carved uh, chess set? What, why'd you splurge on this? Why so generous? Those kids turned me onto a great IPO. <laughs> so they're like betting on the chess game sean's like if i win can i have the truck for a week henry's like mm, yeah sure kid but if i win you have to wash the truck for a week and sean's like what constantly for a week what are you talking about <laughs> what does that even mean am i just out there washing it all the time anyway it doesn't matter because sean wins again with a very similar move on a different part of the board the knight checkmating henry mm -hmm. and then he's like bye dad <laughs> <laughs> Very good throwback. I yeah, loved it very much. I, I love that. That callback to throw a wig on you and you're a spitting image to me as a kid. That's too funny. So did I miss it or was there any Chief Vic in this episode? Uh, no, we mentioned Chief Vic, but I don't think we saw her once. I didn't think so either. I also like, I liked Henry's kind of like, I'm stealing the sandwich and leaving and I'm making a bet with you that I'm going to win at chess, probably knowing that he's going to lose. Yeah. I mean, I think he loves that about, like, Sean's always been able to beat him. <laughs> I'm also super excited because we just brought up the fact that Gus tap dances, which we're going to oh, get yeah. so much more of later, and I love that. That definitely comes back. Yeah. yeah. 
But that's all I got. I didn't have very many notes outside of all the notes I took as I was watching. Yeah, my biggest stuff was the stuff we covered at the beginning. So, mm. I am Alexis. Lesson number four. Don't quote corn poem country bumpkin sayings to your commanding officer. And I'm Kaylee. And let me do the talking. I don't want you to scare them off with your non sequitur ridiculousness. And this has been <laughs> To, to the, the Blueberry! Blueberry! Psych out.